Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Udang Dhammang Sanghang Namasami This is from the um, Satipatthana Sutta. And how bhikkhus, there's a bhikkhu abide contemplating the body as a body. Here a bhikkhu had gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut, sits down having folded his legs crosswise, sets his body erect and establishes mindfulness in front of him. Ever mindfully breathes in, ever mindfully he breathes out. Breathing in long, he understands, I breathe in long. Breathing out long, he understands, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, he understands, I breathe in short. Breathing out short, he understands, I breathe out short. Trains thus, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. I shall breathe in tranquilizing the bodily formation, breathe out tranquilizing the bodily formation. Just as a skilled turner or his apprentice when making a long turn understands I make a long turn, making a short turn understands I make a short turn, so too breathing in long, because understands I breathe in long, etc. In this way, he abides contemplating the body as a body internally, or he abides contemplating the body as a body externally. Or he abides contemplating the body as a body both internally and externally. Or he abides contemplating the body in its nature of arising, or in its nature of vanishing, or in its nature of both arising and vanishing. Or mindfulness that there is a body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. By its independent and clinging to it, not clinging to anything in the world. Well, some obvious things and some slightly mysterious things <laughs> in that partly uh, nature of words and language and even translation. And see, example of mindfulness in front of him is the Adimukha means mindfulness to the fore. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's sitting out an item in front of your head, eyes. It means it's putting it to the forefront of your attention. You're making that your priority. So it's it's how these words come around, really. <laughs> you know, I mean, what does mindfulness in front of him mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as an experience <laughs> so you get the feeling uh oh this could be some you know persons looking at the language perhaps are not necessarily really um handling the experience samely internally externally contemplate the body as a body internally as a body body externally both Internally and externally. How do you contemplate a body externally? The words here, again, internally, externally, uh, I mean, can also be translated as here and there, you know, near and far. Mm. It can be. And so sometimes they say, well, this means you're contemplating your own body and other people's body. 
But if you've gone to an empty hut or to the root of a tree, it's unlikely you're contemplating anybody else's body. Uh, uh, particularly arising and vanishing factors in other people's bodies is a bit... What? So if we just get that uh, externally, internally, uh, here and there. And, a, and the idea is it's whether it seems to be here or there and both mixing together. In other words, you don't cover the whole thing. Um, all the experience that can be attributed to body, whether it seems to be right up close to, to where your mind is or distant, however your mind interprets that, um, all that should be contemplated arising and vanishing. Mm. Yeah, well, again, physical forms don't arise and vanish. Uh, yeah. they, they walk in and walk out, they don't arise and vanish. So here we might say this is something more dynamic. It's uh, when you come in, when you come into, uh, you know, meditation, it becomes quite clear. Or, you know, just kind of, you know, sensing, you know, surges, trickles, flushes, spasms, stuff moving around, things. It's a body is a dynamic process. Embodiment is a dynamic process. Things are uh, so sense of, you know stuff moving through, factors moving through, arising and vanishing. And this really is the direct subjective experience of body. This is actually what it is. <laughs> it isn't a kind of a consistent entity there. Uh, there's not even a consistent entity experiencing arising and vanishing. There just is arising and vanishing, stuff moving around. Mm. Although we tend to infer there's a, you know, there is a kind of physical form experiencing this. Yeah. And objectively, one can make that inference, but when you look around, you see that that seems to bear, seems to be true. But in direct experience, there's just stuff shifting around slowly, fast, and there's a whole kind of flux of experiences. And the stability arrives through a sense of um, either focusing and stabilizing one's awareness in a harmonious way, so we're not rushing and grasping, so there's a sense of a simple steadying quality of acceptance of all these features and qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he doesn't say he abides contemplating the stable quality in the body. <laughs> there isn't one, but there is an awareness that can experience things in a stable, grounded, spacious, balanced way. Yeah. So this is where this uh, we begin to sense into the the very this kind of where awareness and as an embodiment experience. Mm. Mm. Just as we might say the sense of balance isn't a particular thing, it's like a, a sensitivity to kinds of uh, energies and the sensitivity remains quite acute and even it's slightly resonant, you know. It's, the mind feels stabilized because of the harmony, just as when we people are chanting together there's a certain consistency in that, over, even over every feature of it is moving and changing. You pick up a continuity. Hmm. So that stability is, is uh, derived or through a harmonious um, uh, balancing and accomplishment and relationship with these elemental properties moving around. And as far as here and there, we can sense some some experiences, some of these elements experience seem to be uh, like arising from what seems to be internal, such as warmth in the body or or metabol met metabolism occurring or you know sensations occurring. We associate that as is here, and some of it is there, 
And this means um, qualities, obvious qualities such as coolness of atmosphere, mm, you know, warmth of sun, uh, mm, you know, things like that. But also as you tune in, you recognize, well, it's also the effect of, uh, of um, you know, presence of other people can have effects on the body. Mm, we can feel affected by, and the body can shiver when, it, when we experience sounds. So all this is kind of like a opening the territory of embodiment mm, in a very sp- sparsely elucidated way, just kind of cryptic notes here. Well, essentially what he's saying, you know, if we take this, is just that it's, it's everything. It's not just kind of like purely what we might see as internal, but something which is not, so narrowly bounded, something that has external qualities to it, or their qualities to it, or far-reaching qualities to it, or spreading out qualities to it, and peripheral and core qualities to that. So this is seemingly much more uh, uh, um, understandable, comprehensible, if one's contemplating the dynamic the energetic processes of embodiment. Mm. And we were noticing just when you, you place your, bring your hand up towards your face, you can feel the skin in your face starts to tingle as if it's experiencing something, you know, through, through an apparent external medium. Mm. Because actually, the nature of body consciousness is not internal, nor is it external. It's 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 uh, it's both, and it's quite widespreading. It's a widespreading um, sensitivity, and hmm. Uh, <coughs> So as you begin to take that on and recognize that by and large one has experienced uh, internal external factors as very distinct. You know, internal is me and external world out there. You know, and they're kind of, I live within this boundary, within this kind of skin thing and out there somewhere else. Um, and that, that's the kind of model uh, of the of the of the person, uh, so that model must always be bounded by, well, covetousness and grief, you could say, or uh, something out there I want to have or get away from or measure myself up against, or imagine being seen by. So this model must always be very prone to to uh, separation, comparison, uh, fear, cr- desire all that conceit and so forth. So it's not a not a healthy model to work from, but that's the model that most people are very much inducted into and almost uh, uh, in societies where the external is treated quite brutally, really. Mm. Highly emphasized uh, egotism of uh, secular material um, consciousness is like, you know, this is me, everything else is just stuff I use or do deals with, or, you know, it's definitely separate and there's huge, you know, exploitation and, and, and brutality and, and things go on through that, through that model, both towards plants and animals and the planet and, of course, towards other people. And there isn't, the external medium is just something I, I use, you know. And though we may not have participated in such actions, I'm sure we've all been prone to such inferences and um, inducted into that model. <laughs> you know, you're on your own. <laughs> you're in here, you know. Uh, but that's always going to be death, isn't it, really? That's uh, death. And that's dissociation, that's alienation. 
So this model, when consciousness is like that, you've got a very powerful sankharas, um, dynamic um, you know, qualities, dynamic programs running into, into consciousness that are constantly dividing everything up. You get nama, rupas, two separate things. You know, there's the rupas of form and I'm here. That's there, you know. Uh, so this separations and the cracks between, between the subjects and the objects. Mm. So, you know, this, this is the Sankara, or the, the negative program, the Asava program, um, in, infiltrating conscious process and being through consciousness, being constantly impressed upon citta. Mm. That is that, as consciousness operates in the way, it keeps impressing upon the heart this fundamental model. You are this, you're in here, that's out there. You are separate, that's that. Yeah. You are an isolated entity, that's something else. You know, that model then operates through the, the consciousness and interprets all sensory phenomena through that model. Mm. But clearly, you know, you're relatively clear if you just kind of begin to, you cannot see something without being a, there being something to see, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so you naturally, you cannot separate yourself from, from objects. They're always, in, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be affected by anything, would we? And we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't bother to want anything out there if we were really separate. But because there isn't a separation, there's just the, the relationship is one of uh, alienation. But that's still a relationship. <laughs> and the more harmonious relationship gets, and you can sense this, you know, with, you know, with, with people you feel trust and you don't really feel separate, you feel so that you're coming into harmony and there's just like different inflections, but there isn't that gross sense of separation. This, you know, we tend to merge and, and in the moments when there's deep understanding is emerging and a non-separation. And this is a very beautiful and enriched experience. You're learning you know, relationships which are not about separateness, comparisons, better or worse. So all this, you know, this is kind of retraining, re-gearing the programs of Sankaras. And so, you know, meditator has this possibility to feel themselves not separate from Buddha when they are chanting and they're revering, they re-sense the quality of the, of the clarity, the inspiration, you know, is here, isn't it? We're not worshipping Buddha as something out there. I mean, you can use that as an image, but the idea is it brings up the inspiration body and the aspiration body. That's what you can use. And then that brightens. You feel it entering you. And the joy body and the, and the rising body. You can sit, you know, become merging in these. And the metta, when we really get a sense of to others as to myself or here, there and everywhere, the quality of goodwill becomes a holistic experience. You abide in that domain, that dimension, where you don't sense hostility, negativity, uh, inferred comparisons. You, just, it you don't get that breaking up with fear and agitation. So these are qualities that we really uh, uh, check out and, and recognize that if that's not the case, something there's some kind of disease there. And of course there are. Through afflictions. Our afflictions impacted upon one's, through one's own volition or 
afflictions generated through the volitions of another or even random ones, accidents. Now as we are, an important piece about really, you know, seeing uh, meditation within a much broader field of, of purifying or clarifying or uh, brightening or healing the conscious process with qualities such as friendship and uh, generosity and respect and so forth, is that, you know, it's the same. That's what you, you know, when you, because you can't separate that consciousness from the consciousness that's doing meditation. Yeah, it's it's you can't sort of say you know that switch that bit off and then come to my meditative consciousness because this you only got you only got one you know these programs are running you get get they're running through chitta so it's the same chitta same basis so if one's meditation is coming very much from the I'm in here trying to get my act together. And uh, without the qualities of goodwill or trust or inspiration or gladness, then it's a very rough, tough road. Uh, and certainly, you know, one can, through through willpower, manage to, you know, hold the mind down. Or, or but that isn't, you know, no, it's not holistic. Because you've still got to come out into people and things and events and daily life and stuff. So the more that one really sees, just broadens the whole package, the whole presentation, how does right speech, called the three modes of good conduct, speech, attitude, uh, and physical action, they are qualities that we see as very much bound up with uh, our realization process, because as long as those modes of unskillful behavior aren't understood and and clarified, then those modes of behavior will be acting upon ourselves or our our hearts or our breathing or our everything we do. The same kind of you know nervy or forceful or worried or doubtful you know, processes are going to be occurring. And um, <clears throat> so here, there, you know, <laughs> all of it, it's a holistic paradigm. And right at the core of the body, of course, is this central life force of the process of breathing in and breathing out. And again, this is a, you know, one of the beauties of it is it is holistic because when you breathe out, there's got to be an out you breathe in. <laughs> you can't just stay inside a sealed in skin bag. <laughs> it's got to be some kind of sense of an environment, a space around that the breath moves out to and you've got to suck air in from it. So very obviously, just even on a material level, it, 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 tr- it cuts through. You can't have a boundary. It has to flow in and out, just even on a... Uh, you know, on an obvious level. Mm. And then, you know, so that, looking at that process. And it doesn't say breath, it says breathing. So it's a d- dynamic, flexing experience of something, an arising quality of, you know, drawing in, uh, and a different quality of out-breath. Mm. And these are both both very, uh, these are, this is the energetic pattern. And again, you've got to bear in mind that out-breath is not just, that's the end. Out-breath has got a very distinctive energy to it that you want to make much of. I think partly, again, the nature of our, our programming is that we take in things, and that's that's the good bit when you take something in, you know, get your food or whatever, and you sort of finish with it. Oh, that's the end of that. Take the next bit in. 
end of that. So the out breath is kind of like, well, it's the end of that. The, the any taking energy in is the good bit, and then you just kind of let it fade out. But actually, they're, they're both very significant energies, and the energy of breathing out is not, you know, the air may be leaving the body, the energy doesn't leave the body. The energy of out-breathing then saturates, so it's the receptive energy, it's just as significant. In fact, it's probably the most important thing to focus on is out-breathing. Because it's something one doesn't necessarily get. Uh, And it's got a calming and a suffusing, a softening effect. The energy is, is like water or like air. It really softens through everything. Helps the mind to relax. And, you know, if one finds it breathing erratic and difficult, the most important sign it's go to is just breathing out. And see if your breathing out could be done through your shoulders, through your whole body. See if every tissue is just beginning, is softening and relaxing. Also because breathing out is probably much less associated with doing something. And uh, let your attention be trained by the breathing rather than get your attention to train breathing. Let your attention be trained by it. What is the kind of attention that can open to and receive or be with releasing, breathing out, and pick up the qualities of that, how you know that happening, what what experience is that. Breathing, you know, so in breathing can, uh, we, we easily find ourselves in a model where breathing is moderated by the diaphragm, which is organically, you know, say something that is, can be used when you want to pump, strengthen up, say willpower, fighting, you know, getting a lot of energy going quick, then you, the diaphragm comes in, it really, you know, gets activated. Uh, but uh, the um, proper breathing, or just rest state breathing, natural breathing is abdominal. So the, 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 if you like, the muscle of it is way down in the lower belly. And so when you breathe all the way out, and you wait until there's a kind of pulling happening low down in the, in the belly, and you just relax and let it happen. Let Give yourself to it, let it open you. And even be prepared to just breathe out and as if you're never going to breathe in again and wait. And maybe even just as you're about to breathe in, say just count to five and then let, then release it. So it becomes more, more it asks your attention to, to shift from the diaphragm to the, to the lower belly. And let it breathe you, pulling in. Now, panic breathing is associated with in-breath diaphragm. It's like, I can't get enough, I can't get enough, I've got, to, I've got to power up, I've got to manage something, I've got to get something going. So that's the do it. And so this, in this program, the do it program, associated with certain sense of pressure, hurry up, panic, anxiety, which again is, is a very strongly um, pro- uh, emphasized program in our social conditioning, in our there, if you see, there is doing a lot of that. So it's the theme is to go faster and get things done quickly, that's better. That will tend to emphasize a particular quality of energy that's associated with pressure and diaphragm, to, to pump, pump a little bit, because you haven't got time to breathe out. It's because of pumping. And the mind goes into that. And when it's uncertain, when there's uncertainty and a disorientation, then it can easily go into well, the, an instinctive sense of we'll do something and get the power going. So start pumping breath in and out. And you get these panic flusters, which are diaphragm associated. And when, that, when that occurs, then it's best to just really stop, stand up, 
get your feet on the ground and hold you know, until you like even either keep the in-breath in your body or even better keep the out-breath out, out of your body and wait and slow, deliberately slow it down. Let's check this panic reaction that can occur. Mm. On the other extreme, if the mind is very seemingly dithering and dull, again, if you can just, you know, get back to a abdominal base, full breathing, from the belly shifting up into the chest, yeah, then it will help to to clarify and uh, consolidate energy. So a lot of lot of dysfunctional energy is associated through this infected consciousness with its um, disorientation, anxieties, and depression. So without having to deal so much with, you can deal with the attitudes with terms of healthy, dumb environments, but still you can find these reflexes kick in. Uh, and then, you, okay, you can use the breathing as like a, as a yoga, just deliberate to reestablish something more healthy that then you can just, okay, now that's pro, not operating on that program and now we can just relax. So I, you know, the main theme of, of breathing is it's involuntary. So it, that's why it should be, should be ideally, you know, uh, restful because breathing happens, you don't have to do it. Uh, you don't have to do it. Mm, it happens, natural breathing happens. When you're asleep, it happens, you know. Wandering around, looking at things, it happens. You don't have to be doing it. But the nature of our uh, of the program consciousness is is everything is that one focuses on has to be done <laughs> and done good and better and quickly and with that kind of energy. So this can then infect one's breathing to the point where the body starts just seizes up or gets really tight. Mm. Yeah. So it's like that. Yeah. So just checking in with the programs and what is re what establishes natural involuntary breathing. And there's a difference between involuntary breathing and blind conditioned breathing. Because you see you might say, well just let it be as it is, which is you can do, you know, if you tend to be proactive. Then you have to contemplate the program as a program. This is the agitation. And just go to the healthiest program in your consciousness, which could be acceptance, relinquishment, dispassion, and use that to hold, hold the breathing with a consciousness, with a mindset that is just very open and trusting and relaxing and that that program will have its effect by itself it will tend to you know the body will begin to know that and be calmed by it. it's like reassuring a a frightened animal you just kind of stand there with a very okay okay just be how you are and that program will definitely affect you know the body and the breathing so they're not separate Or you could work on the breathing itself as a physical thing, just to change, uh, change it the other way around. Mm. But you don't want to keep these damaging programs going. There's no point in using, in sustaining mindfulness of breathing if it's a damaged program. You just keep reiterating the same program of tension. So I was talking to a long-term practitioner who'd done uh, quite a lot of uh, retreats and it was very highly focused, intense kind of retreats and on mindfulness of breathing, noting the, every little movement of the breath. His mind was getting more and more kind of rigid. 
and he, and he kept, eventually just got to the point. He went to an interview and he just said, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> That's all he could come out with, he was so seized up. <laughs> just, just, just left, you know. <laughs> just, he was so kind of tight, he couldn't even explain it. <laughs> just, just go, go, go. No. <laughs> And he's saying, you know, he took up African dancing. <laughs> just, it's pretty wild, you know, like limbo and everything's utterly rubbery. And he just did that. And eventually he got back to his breathing started to normalize because he wasn't in this tight, constraint jacket of attention. <laughs> and yet, you know, in the, in the dancing, you've got to be aware of what your body's doing. So it's a much more you know, open and, and non-intrusive quality. Yeah. And these are things to, to just reflect on. Who is breathing? Who is the one who's breathing? Would you trust that person? <laughs> is it intrusive? <laughs> yeah. As I've sort of kind of iterated, reiterated, you know, contemplate the space around you is non-obstructive, non-intrusive, free from fear, free from hostility, be with, be with that, let your consciousness open to that. Mm. And that's what, you know, and then you, if you just maintain that, that space, recognizing that consciousness as a, as, a data, as, a, as an element is something you can begin to discern through that experience of the space that I'm in, you know, which is both obviously in some way, you could say it's some, physical, but actually it's much more a psychological quality of feeling open. Now that quality of, of, a tent of a consciousness, which is not intrusive, not obstructive, not demanding, not spinning out, it's present, it's sensitive, it's there, it's a space within us, without us, it's mingled, it's actually running, it can be running through everything, it's because it's holistic. That program, or that absence of defective programs, that's where to place yourself. Place yourself in that. Place everything in that. Place your body in that. Place your thoughts in that. Place your emotions in that. And of course, breathe in that. Put your breathing in that. And yeah, because this quality of a non-intrusive, non-obstructive, uh, non-alienated uh, consciousness is something that can't be taken for granted. <laughs> yeah. So you have to kind of keep emphasizing it to the point where that becomes the main thing. You know, like, 80 percent of your attention is just on maintaining that, and then within that you can sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm breathing. How do I know that? There's sort, of, sort of faint qualities of warmth or suffusion. That's good enough. You know, stay with that. Stay with that until it becomes, uh, you know, something that becomes more like a a rhythmic flow. As if you can almost hear it in the background. Something's just mm, mm, signal, and keep keep it like that. Don't lose the quality of non-intrusion, non-obstruction, non-comparison, non-aversion, non-forcefulness, non-separation. Yeah. And again, this can be take some time because often, if we're not the way our programming goes, if we're not kind of clenched onto something that we, we spin out, clench onto something else. And the mind doesn't know how to operate without breath energy. Out breath energy is like the discharge. And it's not an absence, that's a presence. You must kind of re-image re, uh, it. 
out breath is not the absence of breath, it's the presence of something. Yeah. Discharge is not the bit that I'm doing until I get, get to the interesting activation again. Discharge is the place of regeneration, the place of understanding. Because then with the, the, the discharge times when you can actually absorb the results of what you've been doing for good or for bad. The time when you're letting things settle is at least as you know, significant as when you're active. In fact, you could say it's always more significant because that action's happening all the time. You don't have to do anything because it, it, it just starts going. <laughs> what isn't necessarily happening is the process of digestion, assimilation, uh, reflection, uh, handling, sensing in an open, trusting, interested way. That vichara is, is puts it down into one word, but it's very much uh, what is it? You know, contemplation. The very word, you know, means you set something up and then you, hmm, how is that? Hmm. Contemplate. Contemplate with, with temple, the temple. The temple was defined as a particular area that you, that you measured out within which you stood to, cont- to observe the forces of nature. That was what a temple was. It was a little plot of ground. You put some sticks or stones on it and you stood in there and just looked at the birds and the trees and the weather. This is a rising factor. This is dissolving factor. This is internal, this is here, there, you know, that, so just an open, mm -hmm. let's contemplate within a boundary. Maybe it's using a boundary of embodiment, or the boundary of breathing, or the boundary of a consciousness that actually is suitably consecrated, you know, sacred, uh, um, void of negative effect or you know, saying no. Mm. That's very important to, to establish the temple, uh, temple of awareness. Even if what he observes in nature is, you know, eagles ripping rabbits apart. Because <laughs> it's not all sweet. <laughs> yeah. But okay, here's, here's the experience of you know violence or agitation, or here's the experience of pain and mm, like this. And that quality of the of that kind of uh, conscious consciousness like that, when we're changing the program to that. Amazing enough, that quality of there, you could say, because it seems to be covering everything, begins to signaling right into the most intimate here, which is our breathing, that seems to calm and steady. It's like there's a signal. Because what seems to be most intimately in here, right within the core of my own body, breathing, and what seems to be out there, that is the, the state of mind that I'm operating with, are actually not separate. They're resonant with each other. So whichever end you operate from will affect the other end. Because they're really not separate. Body, mind, not separate. On the energetic level. Breathing, mind, not separate. Uh, in terms of this dynamic process. That's why, of course, uh, it's uh, an excellent way for the mind to unify, for samadhi. Because, you know, the non-separation of body and mind in this respect, in this aperture, in this domain, begins to really confirm itself in what's called unification, samadhi. Things really come together. There's no, the mind isn't shifting away from the breath, the breath isn't doing irregular things, they start to blend until there's 
something that could be seen as either, really. It's, it's a kind of piti, which is both felt both as a certain quasi-physical quasi uh, vitality or, or energy, and also a, a mental quality of happiness and delight. And this is the beginning of, of unification that can then be soothed or uh, tranquilized, soothed, smooth, like grooming a horse. You just brush it through the entire form, here, there, as wide as you can go, yeah, to, to whatever can be discerned in terms of uh, bodily factors, subtle or gross, and smoothing it out. Mm. So then this is the in integrating that non-intrusive, non-afflictive, non-obstructive uh, quality, your temple. And it's all, you know, uh, arising, vanishing, energies forming, flowing. The same thing when you're walking, it's pretty much the same. Mm. You experience both the space around you, because you have to walk and you've got to walk through space, right? It's like you can't breathe without breathing into something. You can't walk without having some space to walk through. <laughs> you know, it's so obvious, isn't it? But, you know, so we say the internal aspect of that is the sense of this moving, what gives you the impression of moving, different sensations and energies and flexions occurring. So that becomes nice and smooth. And walking through, what the, the there, the external domain, the space that this body is moving through. And again, it's something whereby by default, people will tend to find themselves very much focusing completely internally and trying to get very precise or exact on that, but miss out the external feature. So it becomes fair, it can become quite rigid and there's almost like a, a certain oblivion to where one is. You know, so, so internal that you're not really in tune with what's around. Mm. No, it's not, but then if, if it's just totally external, we can, it can go into just looking around at everything else. But really it's, the idea is it's the blending of internal and external. So feeling the movement of the body through a non-obstructive, non-intrusive space. How does that feel? How does it feel in your shoulders, your chest, front of your body, particularly the front of the body, you know, because that's the most impacted just feeling your front of your body, your skin can open to the space as you walk through it. Feeling the ease, so the sign of ease and flow and uh, you know, uh, that coming in to, to uh, the mind. Mm. When you start to get the sense of that, then you widen that to include the space in front of my face, throat, even behind me. So when it's all round, so it's even behind you, around you, then it's almost as if you're not moving anywhere because you're always in the same space, <laughs> which is this sense of, say, the temple. You're always in the temple. Yeah. So, you know, they change the decorations, trees, cars, people, but basically you're always in the temple. And you feel that sense of an inner di a dynamic operating in a place where it feels you know, free from obstruction and intrusion. And so as your, your mind absorb, goes into that and, make, and drinks it in, it's almost as if you're not going anywhere. It's just like you're sensing something rhythmically operating. And it's pretty much like breathing. You know, kind of same rhythmic processes and space and the blending of the two. So the elements of the body become quite uh, subtle 
the hardness, the fierceness, the pressurized, the contracted, the stagnant, they, those, those elements of the body begin to level uh, and even out till the experience of body becomes something quite light, uh, flexible, fluid, even luminous. As it becomes very subtle, it's like the body seems to be almost like a, a quality of a, well, you know, what do you call it, really? Because it's not exactly visual, but a certain luminous lightness. The body feels quite light. And this is, this is then, there's a unification. It said the characteristics of uh, proper practice is the uh, pliability in terms of body, pliability in terms of mind, lightness in terms of body, lightness in terms of mind, mm. skillfulness in terms of body, skillfulness in terms of mind, mm. fit to do practice in terms of body, fit in terms of mind, the factors of the trained mind, trained chitta. And so walking can be a great asset for getting back to the fluid and the sense of space around as being not separate, but actually pretty important because the space around in the social domain is often extremely or diseased, you know, toxic, or just full of distracted, agitated, frightened, negative, miserable stuff. <laughs> Greedy stuff, violent stuff, grabby stuff. So, you know, we're in that social domain. Kaya Viveka, you take your body out of that, take your body out of that to somewhere where it can clean up. And then the absorption is a process of really drinking in the good, good results, the good textures, absorbing the quality of the temple, taking it in, making much of it. And again, it's like a sponge. You set it down and you just give it its time to gradually open and take in through the pores. Or it's like something that's saturated. You've just put it in the, in the warmth and let it dry out. Gradually the toxins begin to uh, evaporate. This is the process of practice. But then the end results, uh, you know, instead of avijja, pachaya, sankara, you know, negative uh, asava um, program saturating consciousness, you get other programs, uh, you know, such as brightness, happiness, um, non-afflicted, non-separate, non-frightened, non-hostile, non-non, yeah. And that begins to infuse into 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 the conscious process, and that affects everything. Mm. Anyone?